Many fantastical tales look okay, but they may endorse ungodly ideas. That's why more conservative groups are offering newer fiction that purports to teach your kids moral, traditional values. How can Christian parents find the good stuff that will disciple your children's heads and hearts? In this session, recorded live at the March 2023 Teach Them Diligently conference in Central Texas, I am going to explore discernment in light of the gospel, offering practical resources for parents to share the best books and other stories within the body of Christ. Welcome back to Fantastical Truth, the podcast from lorehaven.com, where we explore fantastical stories for God's glory and often for our children's good. I'm E.C. Burnett, the publisher of Lorehaven and co-author of The Pop Culture Parent. And I'm Zachary Russell, and always trying to discern good and bad stories and values as a parent. And this is episode 164, How Can We Find Great Stories for Our Children's Good? And faithful listener, if you're hearing this now, then that means I have already been to the Florida Parent Educators Association Conference in Orlando, Florida, with my friends and allies from the Realm Makers Bookstore, and may have worked in a few vacation days at the same time in the supposed free state of Florida. I'm just going to assume, by the way, that nothing happened, the car didn't break down, the theme park didn't get bombed, everything worked out great. I had a lot of fantastic conversations at the Realm Makers booth. I sold a lot of copies of The Pop Culture Parent. Everybody sold a lot of copies about everything. And -and so-and-so announced he was running for president, and a good time was had by all. That's just at least my prediction. Uh, Don't stone me uh, if something didn't pan out. I assume you had a lot of oranges, because that's the only state that has oranges, from what I've been told. Absolutely. I had so many oranges, I walked a lot of miles, uh, because at least if it's the same lodging that we had before uh, with the Realm Makers Bookstore team, uh, then it's uh, it's it's quite a walk uh, between the lodgings and the conference center. But hopefully it did not rain. Uh, it was very strange to manage the tents here, Zach. I have no idea how to do that. Hopefully it did <laughs> not rain. Yeah, because I'm thinking, okay, when does this episode release? You know, I uh, kind of went over there for my wife's uh, birthday and anniversary trip at the yeah. same time, but then it kind of turns into a working vacation. Uh, I've got a lot of uh, things to juggle right now. Uh, including, by the way, uh, before we get to uh, my own uh, session there from the last homeschool conference, our first sponsor for this episode, it's uh, Enclave Publishing. They're presenting Estuary, the first book in the new Oceans of Time series by Lisa T. Berggren. Lady Tiliani Forelli is the epitome of the she-wolves who raised her, an adept archer with a mind of her own. It is long past time for her to wed, but she deems each young lord who comes to bid for her hand lacking. With battles upon their border and rumors of war growing louder on every front, her decision could secure her kingdom's peace or bring about its destruction. After years of waiting, revisit the world first explored in Lisa T. Berggren's best-selling Rivers of Time series, coming June 13, wherever fantastic books are sold. Pre-order Estuary by Lisa T. Berggren online from your favorite bookseller. Uh, It's also available in audio from Oasis Audio. Get those links, the cover, in our show notes for episode 164 or at lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. Zach, got a few concessions here uh, before we queue up myself. Uh, This audio was recorded live, although not at the most recent Teach Them Diligently conference in Pigeon Forge. Yes, I would have talked there. Uh, It would have been a lot of fun in another timeline. Uh, But in this timeline, I had a lot of other commitments and car trouble and all kinds of other things that just fell into place exactly the wrong time, so I was not able to go. So we're using the recording from back in uh, March, uh, conference where you and I both went, 
uh, almost in my backyard. So it's a really convenient location and uh, much less expensive to access. Uh, we do get to use this recording uh, thanks to the courtesy of Teach Them Diligently. It's the uh, homeschool conference. They're actually not coming back to Texas next year. Sad face. They're going to Branson, Missouri next year at about the same time. So I'm not sure if I'll be there because it's not quite in my backyard. Uh, but all measure of support uh, for the folks who are hosting this fantastic event and helping to train parents to teach their kids diligently. By the way, uh, this episode happens to uh, correspond with a lot of other resources and website upgrades we're rolling out at Lorehaven. By the time you listen to this episode, we may already have our new menu installed at the top. If you're accustomed to going there and getting new podcast episodes and reviews all in one place, you'll still be able to access those. Uh, but the bigger menu at the top is emphasizing the types of readers. So parents, uh, homeschool families, Christian fans, anybody, you will find yourself, your identity right up there in the menu. If you have kids in middle grade or you like reading middle grade, we'll have a menu, middle grade, all resources collected there. Any related article, podcast, review, news item, book quest, all that stuff, all in one place. Same thing for teens and YA, the same place for grown-up readers. We have a menu called Adults. So a lot of content overlaps, for example, adults helping out middle grade students, uh, helping them discern magic and stuff like that. We've also got a menu for on screen. That's every resource relating to TV, games, movies, streaming series, all of that stuff, uh, all up in one resource portal there. And then we also have a, a panel just for authors. So if you're an author looking to share your book with new readers at Lorehaven, you'll find everything that you need to know there. I think that should be available at lorehaven.com. You can sign up, of course, subscribe free at lorehaven.com slash subscribe, and then you will be the first to know when we roll out those updates. Yeah, I really appreciate the new upgrade, Stephen. Uh, just for my family and uh, just for a lot of friends that we know, being able to say, hey, just go there and find your age group in which we've got multiples of these age groups here and uh, a lot of Naomi's friends uh, that she's been in touch with recently. She's been able to say, look, uh, here for your high school kid, your middle school kid, here you go, here for yourself. Uh, so this has been a really great upgrade. Nice work on that, Stephen. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate help from you and the other uh, Lorehaven staff creators. We've had a lot of progress lately with the, with the graphics, for example, at the site. Uh, that itself, just behind the scenes detail, has been revolutionary, kind of unlocking the potential for Lorehaven. Uh, in retrospect, it seems like an obvious choice. Hey, why not put the reader ages right up front? But I think this is part of that learning curve of maybe coming out of that, uh, that focus on Christian fans as individuals or this idea of people you maybe encounter online. Going to conferences and getting in front of people who are looking for these books in person really helps you develop more instincts as to what people need and why. Uh, some events have more younger kids. Some events have older kids. Uh, some events have uh, a lot of all ages, uh, which uh, Florida, uh, the past couple of times I've been there, has had. So I'm looking forward to helping share stories with uh, representatives from all those different age groups. From there, here is a man who needs no introduction because it's me, <laughs> just me. Uh, this is my uh, audio. I think we have a uh, waiting in the wings of, for my session at Teach Them Diligently last March. How can we find great stories for our children's good? This is the session for uh, Stephen Burnett, that's me. How can we find great stories for our children's good? Uh, I'm the publisher of lorehaven.com. Uh, we're setting up our booth in the vendor hall, which opens at 7, kind of up against the wall there if you want to come find us. We have authors, uh, science fiction author, a couple of folks who you will see in my uh, overhead in just a moment. But uh, the point here is mainly, I think, to recognize 
that there are scary things in the world. It is true. Uh, there are some alarmists out there who will write clickbait about all the stuff you're supposed to be scared out there in the world. But I wanted to put this presentation together because of a very simple truth. Yes, the world is full of bad stories that can harm your kids. We're looking for great stories for our children's good, and there are some bad stories out there that are for your children's bad. Even when I was growing up, the oldest of a homeschool family, my parents had six kids, and I was the oldest, therefore the pioneer, uh, who took all the arrows, but I also got the newest clothes and got my driver's license first. There's some benefits and some disadvantages. Uh, one of the benefits is I get to find out fairly early about this whole idea that popular culture is bad, there are dangers out in the world, there are stories that can pose risk to you, but then I also got to be the first one to test drive all of the great Christian-made stories uh, that I discovered as a kid that either just kind of got absorbed into the culture of the home or that my parents would find and record on video cassette. Um, those I call the stories of yesteryear, which I view as fairly mixed, positive or positive, a lot of good ones, some made by Christians, some not, uh, along with classic Disney movies on VHS tapes and wholesome videos and things like that. Uh, there was a lot of Christian-made stuff that I enjoyed growing up. Uh, there was a Bible anime called Superbook that did dramatized Bible stories. Yeah, I wouldn't be here talking about fantasy fiction probably if it wasn't for two stories, Superbook and Adventures in Odyssey, both of which featured time travel and Bible stories. So I kind of grew up thinking, okay, this whole idea of fantastical fiction or any kind of fiction and the true amazing story of the gospel, like these are not so separate. To me, I just kind of grew up assuming this is all the same thing, even though one is fiction and the other is absolutely not fiction. You know, the hero, Jesus Christ, is the nonfiction hero who inspires all of the fictional heroes who reflect him in some ways. Uh, so I grew up knowing, okay, there's some good stories that have done me good, not just Superbook or Adventures in Odyssey, um, but also, of course, the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lord of the Rings, stories like that by Christian creators uh, who meant to glorify Jesus through their work, whether or not they actually named him. Of course, in the Chronicles of Narnia, you have Aslan, and then in the Lord of the Rings, there's a whole slew of heroes who reflect Jesus Christ in certain ways. So all Christian authors growing up, but then when I got older, I realized, okay, there's some popular culture, there's some secular stories, superhero stories, for example, that are also helping me love Jesus more, which, by the way, I think is the point of a great story. The, spy, the original Spider-Man movies, for example, they're really nostalgic now, and you might let your kids watch them, but back then in 2002, like... That was a violent movie, and it's still kind of violent, so you got to be careful, you know, discern for age-appropriate levels. But I would call almost second to local church mentoring and good gospel teaching that I grew up listening to and all that, uh, I would almost call Spider-Man a mentor, just because I saw at least the on-screen version of him, you know, how, like, despite the, uh, uh, his girlfriend not being the best female character on the silver screen, uh, he showed her more respect than the camera did. You know, he was good to her. He was fighting to take care of his family and be a hero. You know, all that stuff really helped me. Um, but then I started getting a little bit more optimistic about popular culture. I thought, well, wait a minute. You know, maybe I grew up hearing all the warnings about popular culture. Uh, maybe there's some good stuff here. Uh, maybe even non-Christians can, by accident, 
uh, make great stories that I can use to honor Jesus Christ and grow to be more like him, uh, even if the director or the storyteller didn't. Evangelicals at the time were making more resources about a thing called engaging popular culture, so I got a hold of some of those, uh, and eventually they even let me write one, uh, which is my book, The Pop Culture Parent. Uh, two friends and I wrote that book. Uh, it's a worldview studies instructor, me the storyteller, uh, and then uh, Jared Moore, who's a Southern Baptist pastor. So we approach this topic from three angles, you know, the worldview, the creativity, uh, and the pastoral perspective. Um, still a really good book. I'm definitely uh, going to be autographing that at the booth later. Um, now I also publish lorehaven.com, uh, which is a website to help explore fantastical stories for God's glory. Uh, that's the name of the booth uh, over there when the vendor hall opens at 7. Uh, we have family resources, articles, reviews, uh, podcasts, articles. Well, I already said articles. Uh, to help Christians find the best fantastical stories that have been made specifically by Christian writers. Two Christian writers. Yeah, I'm going to call you out there. It's uh, Jamie and Candice there in the back. They will be at the booth. They all have books. Uh, Candace's book just released a couple of weeks ago, so she'll be autographing that. It's called Enhanced. You'll see that in just a moment. So I have a special interest for Christian storytellers, even though I see some decent stories in the world also. Um, but because everybody knows all about the Marvel movies and uh, the Mid Middle Earth show and all of that stuff, you know, our goal is to share these stories that people may not know as much about uh, but they're being made by earnest uh, Christian creators who want to glorify Jesus in all that they do. Um, they started off often in homeschool families as well. Uh, many of them have their own kids, or they grew up as kids loving these stories so much that they then were blessed with the opportunity uh, to create these stories and get them published. So if you have kids, by the way, who are into writing or want to ask questions about that, uh, let us know, and we can get you connected with all the resources that we have for that too. Lately, though, I've been thinking more about that negative view of stories that I heard growing up. And not that I ever got rid of that, because I still knew that there were still some bad, harmful stories out there. But this time last year, I think it was like the week before I did another presentation here at Teach Them Diligently, um, there was a news that leaked out about, um, the, shall we say, a not-so-secret agenda uh, by at least one creative on the Disney Plus side of things. Uh, and lots of people, including people who hadn't really thought about this in a long time, kind of woke up, pun unintended. This is a better kind of waking up, if I can use the word woke in a sentence without being canceled. Uh, they kind of woke up and went, wait a minute. Like, there's some creators out there who actually do want to make stories that will have a harmful effect on my kids and me. Uh, some pundits that I've seen, articles, um, Christian podcast hosts or conservative podcast hosts will say, well, that's the woke agenda. It's political. It's the woke agenda. Um, regardless of what you call it, I call it uh, a non-Christian religion or a non-Christian influence. Like not something that will poison you and you'll never recover uh, if you get into that story, but it is something that means you have to be discerning. Uh, in theory, you can't put on the show and then leave the room because every corporation has creators working there who are not Christians or who have an agenda. And that just made me go back and realize there's still a cause to be concerned about these kinds of stories, 
and then to be concerned about maybe the ways that Christians can overcorrect for the bad stuff. Uh, and, for example, look for non-Christian stories that seem wholesome and helpful, uh, that may even seem good, uh, but also have some things that we may want to be aware of. Uh, my message here will be that I think wholesome stories, or what people will say clean stories, are a great start, especially if your child or you have particular sensitivities to fiction. Like, listen to your conscience there as it's being informed by the Bible, but I would call that a start, uh, especially as kids get older and start asking questions about the world, and you want to train that child to confront uh, these ungodly ideas and these ungodly imaginations that are being spread through stories. Uh, good stories will also uh, start dealing with more different, sometimes more complex messages, and it takes discernment. It takes a journey of discernment and discipling uh, to help our kids uh, get ready for these stories. So we're here to talk about how to find these kinds of stories, what to look for. I'll touch a little bit on what to do if it's a non-Christian story, but because I got a whole book for that, I'm going to focus more on how to discern Christian-made stories, how to find those, find the good ones. Of course, at Lorehaven, we try to find the good ones, so I'll be referencing a lot of our resources, um, but I think it'll be very helpful uh, just to get that conversation started, to continue that conversation. Uh, not that worldly stories are always bad or that Christian-made stories are always good, but I think it helps for those who identify with Jesus Christ uh, to seek out family members, spiritual family members, who are making these stories, so long as they're making them with the goal of glorifying Jesus and making them with excellence. Uh, let's pray real quick uh, before we delve into the body of our material here. Lord, thank you so much for everyone who's here. Thank you for this conference. Uh, thank you for families who choose to homeschool. Uh, it is definitely a challenge, uh, especially in our world with all kinds of influences within and without the homeschool community. Thank you so much that uh, you will glorify yourself uh, in parents who are sincerely attempting to do that, who want to raise their children, who want to teach them diligently uh, to observe your commandments, uh, who want to evangelize their families and help build the church uh, to help shine your gospel light into the world Thank you so much for your gift of imagination. Uh, thank you that we're not just uh, heads, but also hearts. We are full people made to live in a created world and enjoy your gift of imagination. I pray that we can take every thought, even imaginative thought, captive uh, as we enjoy these kinds of stories, practice to find the great ones, and then maybe even uh, for some folks here, uh, learn to make more of those stories too. In Jesus' name, amen. So another thing I'll do on my podcast, Fantastical Truth, called The Concession Stand, uh, just to make sure I set the table right, offering some sweet, tasty concessions uh, to make sure that we know what to expect. And this is where I kind of head off or postpone toward any Q&A time we have at the end, any questions about stuff that I really, really wish I could get into if it was the Lorehaven Conference, but I have to kind of punt on some of these issues and go, okay, that's in a podcast or that's in an article or see me afterwards. I'd love to talk about that. Um, of course, I'm going to agree uh, that everyone here has a shared interest in knowing that children and we ourselves, grown-ups, uh, need great stories. Uh, my previous presentation, I actually went over that. Like, how can I say we need stories? Like, need's a really strong word. You know, technically, if we're on a desert island, you know, 
I would take a Bible, I wouldn't take a novel, and definitely, if you're on a deserted island, take the Bible first. But God has, I believe, made us to be creatures of imagination. Everybody has an imagination, creative gifts. It's just a matter of using them rightly for his glory. But that is another presentation I can direct you to uh, if you have any questions about that. Um, Also, if at times it sounds like I'm critiquing popular culture or acting like it's all poison, that is not what I believe. Um, I already just name-checked my hero Spider-Man up here. Uh, I'm hoping for some better news from DC superheroes right now. And um, Star Trek Picard Season 3 is really good. So if anybody wants to hear me speak geek, I can do that. Uh, Hopefully not in a way uh, that wounds anybody's conscience. But uh, that is something I can also talk about. It's just not the focus uh, today. Um, My book will go into more of the pop culture stuff about uh, discerning and engaging uh, popular culture. But I'm going to focus on engaging Christian-made stories, finding the best ones. Uh, And by the way, I'm hoping to post this talk uh, at uh, at Lorehaven or the notes. So if you miss something, uh, you don't have to scribble uh, based on whatever's on the screen. Um, I will be able to give that for you at lorehaven.com. With all those concessions out of the way, uh, let's explore how we can, as Christ's people, most importantly, and many of us parents as well, first, find great stories that glorify God. Second, find great stories that help our kids be more like Jesus. And third, find great stories that help your family build the church. Wrote those points and realized there's kind of a Trinitarian theme there. You know, the closest we can hear to the biblical Trinity, the better, I think. Uh, first of all, Let's find great stories that glorify God, that glorify God. Uh, That leads to uh, a misunderstanding, I think, sometimes what we mean by glorify God. Uh, Sometimes at Lorehaven, uh, we review lots of Christian-made fantastical books. That's our criteria. Uh, We take any book uh, that we find uh, that is fantastical in genre, fantasy, or science fiction that's published, and most importantly, is by a professing Christian author. That's because the professing Christian author is more likely, almost entirely likely, uh, to make it their goal to glorify God. They're viewing the act of creating a book, uh, making a story, uh, as an act of worship to God. Uh, Sometimes that will mean the story is what you call clean or wholesome. Uh, Sometimes that will mean the story wants to evangelize. But sometimes it's just a story that explores God's world uh, with an aim towards discipleship. Discipleship of the Imagination. Um, I think that is uh, it's kind of a big concept to get a hold of, and I'm still trying to get hold of it. Um, but that is a little bit different from, I think, the view that I grew up just kind of catching as the idea that a story had to have like an obvious moral at the end. And I'm perfectly fine with many stories that, you know, you get to the end and, you know, it's like the author is giving an altar call, wants, to have, you know, wants you to have a come to Jesus moment. Uh, or wants to let you know uh, this story is about not being dishonest to your parents. And I think for especially younger children, again, that's a great place to start. But I think that we sell ourselves short if we think that every story should be like that, which is the assumption I had as a kid. Uh, And it does sound very spiritual to say that every story should have a moral at the end, an easy moral. Um, And it also uh, sounds spiritual to look for stories with those labels like clean or family-friendly or or wholesome. Um, My folks, by the way, we found lots of great stories that way. Uh, Clean stories, uh, family-friendly, wholesome stories. We found lots of great ones uh, that we enjoyed, uh, hopefully for the glory of God. We also found some clunkers, uh, because some wholesome stories are just not very well made. I was talking with a friend earlier today uh, who (laughs) let me know about something I didn't even know about. Uh, he said there's apparently a clean, 
fantasy series uh, in the Amazon best-selling list that's, that apparently has no bad stuff, no violence, no bad words, but it's got witches um, as the good guys. You know, I mean, the lion in the witch in the wardrobe is so witchy it has a witch in the title, but she's the bad guy. Uh, and parents need to you know, discern, okay, if you've got a book with a witch in it. But it just gives me pause, and it makes me realize that not everything that's clean uh, is actually glorifying to God. Sometimes there can be folks out there who are making stories with the best of intentions and they make them clean, um, but not only may they have some interesting themes in there, um, but sometimes a kid like me can get the wrong idea from a, from a clean story. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, my suggestion here is that we instead look for stories uh, that help us to accomplish this here, what I call, or what the Westminster Shorter Catechism calls, the chief end of man. Uh, that is the highest purpose, the reason why God even made people. Uh, this is an ancient, uh, several centuries old uh, confession that many Christian denominations accept uh, properly. Um, I just borrow from it because I love the wording, uh, is that our chief end, our highest purpose, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Uh, if it helps, I think uh, we can just substitute glorify God means worship. Uh, there's so many scriptures, it's just assumed and taught throughout the New Testament especially, that if you're a Christian who identifies with Jesus Christ, if you've repented and received Him as your Lord and Savior, then everything you do should be an act of worship. It should be intentionally to glorify God. Uh, and I think any gift that God gives us, including stories, ought to serve that end. Does that mean the story will be entertaining? Yes. Uh, does that mean a story will evangelize or train us in discipleship? Also, yes. But I think the main purpose of a great story ought to be to glorify God, to help us with that chief end, our highest purpose, and to teach others how to do this as well. We have a few ways of doing that at lorehaven.com. First of all, we focus, as I mentioned, on finding fantastical stories by Christian authors. It just increases the chances that you're going to connect with a family member uh, who has the same goal as you do. Uh, there may be different age levels or different content discernment issues in the story, and we point those out in our reviews. Uh, there may be different, uh, you know, the story may be better for teen readers who are ready for something more challenging, uh, or more be, maybe more of a middle-grade story with simpler ideas. Uh, either way, I think uh, the discerning parent can use these for this highest purpose and to teach children to do the same thing. Um, as I mentioned, a few of those authors are actually here, so here's some action points if you want to write them down. Uh, it'll be a little bit easier. Actually, no, um, we're going to go over the, the, the podcast first. Because what we do on my podcast uh, with Zach, who's not here, uh, but he will be here tomorrow, uh, is we explore these ideas. This is more for parents, older teens, anybody who listens to podcasts, uh, going over stories from a Christian perspective. So we get into a lot of worldview stuff. Uh, just, this, uh, just this month, we're doing that even more intensely. But we also interview the best Christian authors we can find and talk about their books. So we let you know, you know, hey, here's this person's life story. You know, here's why we're connecting with that person's work. Here's what we thought of that book. Uh, looking at the story, not just for is this a good story, but is this a story that we feel exalts Christ for the proper age group? Uh, Zach and I go over those with many guests. Uh, One of them is uh, James Hannibal, who's in the booth next to ours. Uh, He's actually a former stealth fighter pilot, and he has dragons 
and books about dragons and scripture memory. It's a whole thing called Light Raiders. We had to get him on the show asking about that Chinese spy balloon. Uh, so if anybody is curious about them aliens, we have a whole series about that, and that was a recent episode. Uh, the episode just out this week uh, featured uh, Candace back there in the, uh, in the jacket. Uh, that's not her on the motorbike, uh, but she may have some cool shades if you stop by the booth later uh, to showcase her book, Enhanced. So that was our last episode. And then just an idea of some of the topics that we cover, uh, our goal being to equip the Christian reader uh, in this journey of discipleship. If God has given you this imagination and you love fantastic stories, Take that then captive for Jesus. That's not just a Monday through Saturday thing. Uh, that is absolutely a Monday through Sunday 24-7 quest. Uh, we had on the uh, uh, guy who's leading the Wingfeather Saga TV show. It's just wrapped. Uh, and then we were talking about these other fantasy franchises that are kind of sticking some ideas in there that aren't too great. And then that episode last week, that's the more advanced stuff. Uh, Zach got a guest uh, who talks about postmodernism, and like some of the stuff that you may be talking about with your teenager someday if you haven't already, this idea of deconstruction, that you ought to take those doubts that you have about the Christian faith, and why don't you just make a whole career out of that? Why don't you just tear everything apart? You know, uh, the Apostle Paul wasn't too great about this, and this pastor done you wrong, so, you know, maybe Jesus himself can't be trusted. So we talked about this and how it's affecting fiction in particular. Uh, some of the other guests we have, a couple of folks who uh, were former homeschoolers who are now talking about issues like this. Uh, I wanted to have these cards available downstairs, but they, I think, are in Oklahoma right now. So they may not be here tonight, but they may be here tomorrow. If you're interested in any of these topics, stop by. I can get you one of these little uh, business cards. A uh, couple of names there whom you may or may not recognize. Uh, we saved uh, Phil Lawler, who's my creative sensei. Uh, for episode 100. He helped create Adventures. Not, I know, today's episode has been written and directed by Phil Lawler. Our production engineer was so-and-so. I wish Odyssey was here, but uh, it's my little goal to see if Phil can come over. I think he lives in Arizona. Odyssey is a great story, by the way, and they're not even sponsoring us or anything. That's just my plug. <laughs> we also have at Lorehaven articles, uh, the reviews every Friday, and, uh, and other things that help, uh, help parents to find these great stories for their kids. Uh, it's free to subscribe at lorehaven.com. I am going pretty quickly, um, so I do hope to have questions at the end, though, if I pace this right. So if you've got a question, uh, hang in there. I want, to, uh, I want to get to that at the end if I can. Our second action item here, uh, we talked about find great stories that glorify God. Second one here, second person of the Trinity, three persons, one God. It's find great stories that help children be like Jesus. This is discipleship. And discipleship primarily happens in the home. That's why you're homeschooling. Uh, and Christian discipleship also happens in the church. We use nonfiction books for that. Your pastor uses nonfiction books for that. But fiction books are also discipling your kids. Fiction TV shows will disciple your kids, even if it's not exactly um, the proper faith of biblical Christianity. Someone out there wants to make your kids like them or like their pet cause. The Christian, however, wants to help their kids be like Jesus. Today, though, we have a problem. I would say, and I, can't, I don't have numbers for this, I don't have a spreadsheet or a pie chart, I just kind of intuit this. Uh, and y'all may intuit this as well. Um, I think our, our fastest growing religion today in the world is not biblical Christianity. Uh, the fastest growing religion 
uh, is one that worships a certain kind of identity or multiple different kinds of identities. It's just the latest, greatest, most happening, most trending thing, and it's starting to get into stories, uh, even some wholesome stories I've noticed. And that's not to be alarmist or clickbait or try to sell you something or like find the Christian alternative because they're going to be evil. Like, okay, you can still train your kids to deal with those things, but I don't think you start out that way. You know, God wants us as individuals to be active in the world, but we also homeschool to train them. You know, you don't just throw them out there uh, and expect them to do just fine. Uh, Some kids can, but not all of them. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, with these agendas that we're seeing in other popular culture, uh, some say, oh, that's that's woke. You know, that's woke. He's woke. She's woke. Everything's woke. Um, Sometimes it's hard to tell what's actually woke and what's just making someone a bit annoyed. And this one, too, I hear people say, uh, well, that's political. That's political. Yeah, it's kind of political. But as a Christian, I first look at that and go, that's not just politics. That's a false religion, guys. That there's a false religion that dishonors Jesus Christ. Um, I can engage with that, um, but my kids are probably not ready to engage with that stuff. Uh, so that's why I want to find stories that will help them uh, clear out all of that uh, and maybe stay a little bit more secure at first while they're training to engage that other stuff, training to engage the what I'll call identity idols on TV. Uh, this parody of the idea of Romans 8.29, where it says, be conformed to the image of God's Son. People will want to conform you to their image in a TikTok video or whatever identity they've uh, gotten for themselves. In response, though, I've noticed uh, at least some of the trend I've been seeing are there's, there's some more people who never would have thought about this before, and I've thought about this myself, who are like, okay, then, if it's so bad out there, then, then let's get ourselves a protected circle. Let's get ourselves a bubble and only allow in clean, wholesome, family-friendly stories. I've been hearing that stuff since the 90s when I started paying attention. And I think, like I said before, that that's a good starting point uh, is to look for those kinds of stories. But there are some hazards to what people call clean stories. And I've got, I've got just three of them here. Uh, clean stories can also have some political agendas or teach other religions. Uh, and without nitpicking any religion in particular, uh, there's a few Christianity kind of spin-off religions, some would say a cult, where they're very clean, but maybe it's not an expression of the gospel that you want your kids to know about. It's just something to keep in mind. Um, I would prefer a story that in some way celebrates redemption that points to Jesus Christ and his salvation by grace through faith, uh, rather than just, you know, be good and you'll have a happy life. Uh, Clean stories can sometimes have that moral at the end, uh, but at least if you're me growing up who's sensitive to these kinds of things, uh, you get the idea that I must behave, I must conform to a particular moral code uh, in order to find happiness Uh, And then the story accidentally, sometimes accidentally, will leave out Jesus, leave out his grace. Uh, That is our only way of escaping that penalty for sin. The other one I often think is that the clean story does have redemption, especially if it's showing a very nice world. Uh, The clean story will have the Savior, who's like the author, who comes in and cleans up the world a little bit, uh, leaving Jesus with nothing to do. 
Uh, I used to have you know, like, you know, happy stories with wholesome characters, but even when I got older, okay, maybe time to move on to some more complex stories where characters will have some more struggles in order to show how wonderful and magnificent the grace of Jesus Christ is. You don't have to tell all the bad stuff in order to show how wonderful Jesus Christ is, but sometimes it helps to get that idea. Sometimes it helps to see an act of sin in a story that then brings consequence which is the law of God, even in a story version. And then you can bring in the hero or the grace or Jesus Christ personally and show, no, Christ himself is the only solution to this problem of sin that we have. The solution then is to look for stories that help your child worship Jesus. So not, uh, not fall for the imposter saviors uh, from either the woke stories or the clean stories uh, that aren't uh, going to point your child to Christ but to find stories that even if they don't name Jesus, you can see him there. He's haunting the place. Jesus Christ is making himself known, whether it's a fictional hero who behaves like him or a world that supports his world, that reflects the beauties and the gospel grace that he's put uh, in his world. Uh, that means, I think, that as you're looking for great stories that help your child, uh, to serve your child's needs, uh, you're looking for stories that have something in them particular beauties and goodness and truth. Um, I keep up with some uh, groups on social media where parents are looking for stories. Uh, and sometimes like they'll post like a particular book cover. Uh, maybe y'all are in some of these groups and they'll say, hey, does anybody know what's in this book? You know, my child is eight uh, and has a sensitive conscience about this, or I have a sensitive conscience about X, Y, Z. Um, I'd rather have a book that doesn't have this stuff in there. Uh, and I think everybody should have a sensitive conscience in particular about this uh, identity worship uh, in stories. But some people will post in those groups and say, well, I'd like a story without such and such and such and such. And they never say what they're looking for. I think it makes sense then if you have a child with sensitivity, like, yeah, it's a good place to start. I want a story that doesn't have like bad words in it, for example. I think that makes a lot of sense. But I wouldn't want to forget then looking for stories that are not just empty of a bad thing, but full of a good thing that are wholesome. They're not just clean, free of dirt and germs, but wholesome. They have good stuff in there, uh, things that reflect the good gifts that God has put in the world, the beauty and goodness and truth uh, that he allows. Great stories can help train your child's imagination by appealing not just to their head you know, with an idea or a principle, uh, but appealing to their heart. I think that's why so many people love the Chronicles of Narnia, is there are truths that are taught in there, like in the silver chair where Aslan tells Jill, a human girl uh, with, a, with a issues, who's invited to this fantasy world. He gives her a quest and he says, follow the signs, repeat them to me, whisper them to yourself before you go to sleep. I'd love this moment in Narnia. It's just about pure and simple obedience. Uh, and yet the story shows what happens when Jill and her friend do not follow the signs and all these bad things happen. So you get taught to your head, you know, obey the magical Jesus line, kids. No, really. You know, if Jesus tells you to do something, then you must obey that. But you also feel the consequences. You feel the suffering and you feel the sense of victory at the end. The story is appealing not just to your head, but also to your heart, uh, engaging the senses and capturing your imagination. Uh, whether or not as a Christian author, if a child falls in love with a story like that, uh, you can then honor Jesus Christ. You can tell the child, you know what? There's a man named C.S. Lewis who lived a long time ago. We may not agree with everything he believed, but Jesus gave him this imagination, and that's blessing you right now. How much more than if you loved Aslan, 
If you loved C.S. Lewis or whoever that other author is, how much more than will you love Jesus Christ who gave us those gifts of imagination uh, and tells us to use these gifts for his glory? And sometimes God will give even these gifts to a non-Christian, and whether or not they use the gift responsibly, that's between them and their Lord, but we can enjoy even some non-Christian-made stories for God's glory. It just sometimes takes a little more discernment for that. Skilled Christian authors, though, want to glorify Jesus Christ on purpose, whereas I would say that a non-Christian author will glorify him by accident. It uh, doesn't mean they're getting saved. We don't know necessarily what's going to happen to them. Not our concern, but the story calls for discernment. Uh, some Christian authors who I can recommend, um, I'll focus on these. I mean, there are dozens and dozens, but I'll focus on these because they're actually here today. As I mentioned, uh, Candace Cade uh, is actually here. Uh, she just wrote a science fiction novel that's appropriate for, would you say, uh, YA? It was a young adult. So teenagers, uh, what do you think is a minimum age if you have a wise homeschool student, Candace? 12 and up. 12 and up, yeah. Uh, this is a science fiction novel set in an East Asian future society. So there's a lot of Chinese stuff in there because she once lived in China for a bit. She did not ride this motorcycle, presumably. But this is an imaginary version of that that has both genetic alteration and that social credit system you've been hearing so much about. So it's a little scary, but also really fun because her heroine uh, is not genetically enhanced and has to pretend to be. And now her secret's about to get out, and she can give you the whole pitch when you stop by uh, throughout the rest of the conference. That's what we thought of the book. That was our Lorehaven review, and you can learn more about that from her. Um, also, that is Jamie Foley. Uh, she runs uh, the publisher. Well, she's not the publisher, but she helps run it. Uh, but she also writes books like these two here. Uh, and she will have those books there and a bunch of others, uh, the Sentinel Trilogy, which is appropriate for, would you say, um, more young male readers, Jamie? 12 and up. 12 and up. Readers. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And these books here, the Katrosi Revolution? Okay, same. Um, and then right across from us is James R. Hannibal, uh, the aforementioned uh, former fighter pilot who writes military spy thrillers, but also like, has this amazing discipleship learning world called Light Raiders, uh, where kids use basically scripture memory and disciple one another to fight evil. It's a book. It's a game. It's slices and dices. Not yet a major motion picture or a streaming series on pure flicks, but who knows. Um, I didn't leak anything. It's just what I'd like to see happen. Uh, actually, Angel Studios. Angel Studios would be my pick there. They're doing good stuff. So we talked first. Find stories that will glorify God. Find stories, great stories, that will help your kids be more like Jesus. And then this one, I think, is a little less talked about. But this has been much on my mind because of some personal things that have been going on with me. Um, I'm actually from around here. Uh, my wife and I live 10 minutes from this venue. So for those of y'all who flew in or drove from Dallas or something, haha, uh, ha, my house is 10 minutes away. Uh, when I go to Pigeon Forge, you know, I'll have to be the long traveler, but this time I get to sleep in my own bed tonight. But that means that my local church is about 10 minutes away as well. Um, our church is about 12 years old. It's been really small for a bit. And just recently, like literally last Sunday, um, another church voted uh, to bring our two congregations together. Uh, so I've been thinking a lot about what that looks like for these two congregations uh, and just the importance of the local church in discipling kids. Uh, and sometimes, uh, because I've been in this uh, Christian fiction and fantasy uh, game for a, for a bit, 
Um, I think there's one thing that we could do better, and it's integrating with the local church and showing what Christian storytellers offer to the local body of Christ uh, to help disciple not just kids, uh, but grown-ups. Uh, so I would love to see more, uh, more activity uh, and more promotion of the, of the local church uh, because I believe that stories are very underrated tools for discipleship. Uh, second to the local church, like your pastor is supposed to preach. He's not supposed to get up there and play movie clips or open, you know, open a novel, even a novel that I really like, and preach out of that. He's supposed to preach from the Bible. Uh, but I would love to see more book clubs and activity like that in the local church. Uh, and training about how to deal with the imagination uh, and use these stories for God's glory. Um, I would also love to see stories that help correct for the, the, the problem I see sometimes is that some books, especially books by non-Christians or, you know, nature documentaries or movies, like uh, they will talk about great things, uh, great virtues, great heroes, uh, the wonders of nature, you know, how beautiful God's world is. Uh, even when creatures are killing each other. Um, but they will ignore the gospel. I mean, for non-Christians, I kind of expect that, you know. But some Christian stories are like that too, especially if they set out like, well, I'm going to make a clean read, but I'm going to clean it up so much that there's nothing left for Jesus to clean up. There's no redemption left, you know, just the characters need to be good, uh, and then everything turns out okay. Uh, other stories, though, I've noticed, um, they will be so evangelistic uh, and want to get your kid saved, or you saved, or, or the unsaved reader. But they also will ignore the need for creative excellence. Uh, they will ignore what I call the creation mandate, which is the first command that God gave to human beings in the Garden of Eden, where he says to Adam and Eve, go out, start families, homeschool them, because it's creation, everywhere is home, this is before sin, be fruitful, multiply, so have kids, take care of the creatures, do amazing things using my world. He's calling his people to creative excellence back then. Of course, now we know sin happens, and then eventually Jesus Christ comes and he gives the Great Commission, which is go out in the world and not just take care of the creatures and make good stuff, but make disciples, train people in the gospel, teach them to observe my commandments. Uh, the Great Commission, though, doesn't replace that creation mandate, Christians live under both. We're supposed to make great things and have families and teach them, but also share the gospel as parts of the local church. I would love to see stories that help believers disciple one another, but that also do so with excellence. That's why at Lorehaven, we only review books that we really like or that are mixed positive. Uh, if it's a book where the author, bless his heart, wants to help get people saved, but the book is just not a very good book, we're not going to come out and negatively review it, but we are going to focus on the books that we think actually follow that creation mandate, that actually do things with excellence, uh, that not just look good, that have great covers like the books you've seen here, uh, but also have great content, uh, that have characters and storylines that stick with you, uh, that appeal to your imagination instead of just trying to teach a nonfiction idea to your head. I would also love to see stories that include more uh, local churches, that include believers or, you know, people who act like believers in a fantasy world, like getting together, you know, acting like the church. Because stories like that, I think, are very important uh, because you're getting a lot of stories now from people who have been hurt by the church or even hurt by the family they grew up with. 
uh, and they've got a lot of energy, and they're getting on the internet, and they're sharing their doubts with everybody, and their stories are kind of starting to steer the narrative. So that's an issue, and we need fantasy stories or other stories uh, that help reset the narrative too. There are good things in God's church. God has given us his local churches to help build the kingdom. That's what we need to do. As we draw to close, a few more action items here. I mentioned book clubs. That's a subject that's near and dear to my heart. It's also really hard to get together for book clubs when you're busy. So at Lorehaven, we decided to go virtual with the book clubs. And this may be like if you do any of these things other than you know, listen to the podcast, you know, buy a book, get it signed, talk to an author. Um, we have an exclusive community on Discord, uh, which is an app that kind of behaves like the old bulletin boards of yesteryear. Um, it's, like, it's an app. It's on your phone. I think it's ages 13 and up, so wouldn't recommend it for kids. But we've put this together to do monthly book quests through Christian-made fantastical books. Sometimes old ones, like that one there, for older readers. Uh, and sometimes uh, books that skew a little younger as well. But, of course, being Discord, it's ages 13 and up. So if you're interested or if you've got teenagers who are interested, friends who are interested, you can subscribe at lorehaven.com and we email you that exclusive invitation. And then you can just hop in on the next book quest. We rotate them out every month. These are trained leaders, like friends of mine. Actually, Tisha, the guildmaster, uh, lives around here as well. And she will be stopping by the booth occasionally and can answer questions about that. She's a homeschool mom of older kids and she reads way more books than I do, so she's perfectly qualified. Uh, she's actually leading our next book quest for The Chase, uh, which is a uh, young adult, uh, wholesome dystopian novel uh, by author Bradley Caffey, the first in a trilogy, uh, which she absolutely loved and you know, just got all the books uh, for uh, her son uh, and then did reviews. You can subscribe free at lorehaven.com. Uh, that's where you can get exclusive access to the guild, uh, you can get access to the reviews that we do every Friday, the podcast episodes, uh, and help, help you find the best stories from Christian authors, in this case, fantasy and science fiction, to help your children grow, to glorify God, to become like Jesus, uh, and to help build the church. Our booth is over there, kind of against the wall. If you go in there and like kind of head to the right, that's where you'll find everybody opening up at 7, by the way, so we'll have a whole a whole bunch of books there, not just the ones I've talked about, but a whole bunch of them from faithful Christian publishers. Uh, from there, does anyone have any questions? I uh, went through a lot of material pretty quick. I saw some scribbling going on, but any other questions about anything I, I brought up? No one's buying their way into the positive reviews. We just, if we can tell from the back cover, like all authors need to check a box saying, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, this book is published. Yes, in our case, for Lorehaven, this book is fantasy and science fiction. If, however, and this has happened, I'm not going to name names, but if we can tell the book has an agenda, like some Christian authors like get into writing because you know, they feel really hurt and they need to tell a story about it. You know? If we can tell that's happening, all due respect, bless your heart, but we're not going to review that book. We want a book that's going to glorify God, help your kid or yourself become more like Jesus, and help build the church. If it's a book that seems designed to tear down, we're not going to review it. If it's a book with good intentions but maybe isn't that great of a book, then because we believe that the book should glorify God through creative excellence, we're also not going to review it. Um, but we're looking for content, like worldview stuff, uh, as well as creative excellence from Christian authors, specifically at Lorehaven. I don't know how far I got with um, 
this thing without being a published fi- fantasy or sci-fi author myself. I got nonfiction, but it's got a dragon on it, so close enough. So I personally can't speak about professional fiction authoring, but those two ladies who can. And so can a few other allies that we have here at the conference. There's a whole booth called Author Conservatory. Uh, they take it very seriously, you know, with the worldview and the craft and industry and all that. Definitely read, read, read. Just never stop reading and have high standards for the reading. You know, I remember when I was 12, like, I decided, okay, I want to get my hands on any Christian-made fantasy you can get, which wasn't very much back when I was 12. There's a lot more now. But publishers, at least Christian publishers, were kind of flailing, and some would, like, make message fiction. And so it would feel very spiritual, but maybe wasn't the best told story in the world. Um, So find the best stories, certainly, uh, so that you can get the idea of not just what's true and good, but also what's beautiful. Like, what, what is a story that is truly expertly made by someone who knows their craft? Um, be discriminating there. Um, connect, certainly, uh, with other writers. My personal thought there is, you know, don't just read stories because I'll be a writer someday, because right now the industry is still very small, and there's only a few people who I like, can make a very full-time career out of it. Um, even like some very pro, you know, famous Christian writers, you know, uh, you're probably not going to make a giant career out of it, but the act of creating will glorify Jesus regardless of whether the books ever gets published because you're doing something that God did when he made his world. Uh, you're learning more. What is it like to be a creator? You know, you're trying to kind of pattern yourself off of God in his creative role. And as a result, if you know what you're doing in Christ, then that, that can glorify God as well. I didn't even talk about the print magazine. So for a while, we did have print magazines. That one came out in spring 2020. Guess what happened then? (laughs) It was the pandemic. I'm sorry, it was the lockdowns. It was the lockdowns what done it. Um, We we decided then to just put all of our content at lorehaven.com. So we do have print copies of the magazine for sale for those who like print copies of the magazine. But like, I, I want print books, you all. You know, I want a glorious science fiction drama novel about missionaries in space. Like, that's the next print thing I want to do, uh, if the Lord uh, wills and if, uh, and if folks will. Um, but you can get the print copies of the magazine, too. But we kind of switched from print to podcast, and the podcast just took off. Uh, you can actually see the podcast cards right there, fantastical truth for them who likes podcasts. Anybody else want to put me on the spot? Was I too hard on the woke stories? No. <laughs> You don't want to insult people, but I figure at a homeschool conference, I can kind of, uh, kind of speak that way. The last Christian fantasy, using fantasy as a catch-all, by the way. So I may say fantasy, and I mean a book with spaceships. The last book that I read that I could not stop reading was a Frank Peretti novel that everyone forgot about. And it was his very last one. It didn't have angels or demons in it, because Frank Peretti does write other stuff. It was definitely a novel for grown-ups or teens who can handle more challenging stuff. And it was called Illusion. Uh, Frank Purdy wrote this book in 2012. I, I, I loved it. You did not? Okay. Well, they didn't tell you at the end that there was going to be a multiverse of madness. Uh, so, sorry. Uh, <laughs> there was. It was like it went places and suddenly, whoa, there's some science fiction here. It starts off and you're like, okay, there's a car accident and, 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 and his wife dies. They're magicians in Las Vegas. It's Frank Peretti writing a story about magicians in Las Vegas, and it's wholesome somehow. Uh, and, and then she, his, his wife dies in a car accident, and then she comes back from the past, and it's her 19-year-old self, and like, how are you going to do this without being creepy and explain this without going into some real weird stuff, Frank Peretti? Well, he pulled it off, and it was a love story. Uh, and there was a 
machine and no more spoilers. Uh, it was just it was just really good for a discerning grown up reader who still wants a wholesome read. Uh, very surprising from him. That one kept me up late most recently, but there's so many other books I enjoy, and usually if I like it so much, I'll just go ahead and put a review on Lorehaven myself. So let's pray us out of here, and then if there's anybody hovering to do the next presentation, I'll clear the stage. Lord, thank you so much for uh, everybody here. Thank you so much for, again, this conference. Thank you for amazing stories. Thank you for the blessings that you give us uniquely through fiction. Uh, stories made by Christians often, even some stories made by non-Christians who by accident are glorifying you. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to heaven, but it does mean that they are playing in your world. Uh, they are using the good gifts that you've given and remixing them. But thank you, Lord, for Christian authors who can do this by design, uh, who are spiritual family members, uh, who can take us on a journey into an amazing world, uh, help us to feel and discern in our hearts uh, your gospel and get discipled, uh, even when we think we're just going along for an awesome story. Uh, thank you so much for all the authors who are joining us, and uh, thank you for the gift of still being able to educate our kids, uh, even in a, a country and a culture that has a lot of issues with it. I uh, pray you bless everybody throughout this conference. Give us energy and enjoyment in Jesus' name. Amen. Stephen, it was fun hearing your discussion of that book by Frank Peretti as a wholesome but surprising story. It took a lot of twists and turns to get to the ending that you didn't expect, but it was something that left you feeling very satisfied as an adult reader. Um, and I think that uh, really challenges uh, myself and, and maybe some others to think, well, what, is, what does it we even mean by wholesome? Because uh, maybe it doesn't just fit in this neat little box that we've we've all been taught through the very narrow selection oftentimes at Christian bookstores, <laughs> what a wholesome book really is. That was really fantastic. And I think that hopefully just opens a lot of minds to that there are a lot more stories out there that maybe we need to give a shot as parents, but also just as adults and training our own minds, training our own imaginations uh, with these fantastical stories. That's Illusion by Frank Peretti. I've actually decided to do a book quest based on that book uh, moving into June. Uh, ironically, we're also starting a, a summer reading challenge uh, in the month of June, uh, kind of lasting over the summer break. So go to lorehaven.com and get more details about that. We're still putting them together as we record this episode early but we should have that illusion book quest ready and you can subscribe and get exclusive access to the Lorehaven Guild. Let's go to lorehaven.com slash subscribe. I'm not sure exactly what date we'll start that, uh, but we will be announcing that or would have announced that I'm guessing a few days before this episode releases. Uh, let's go real quick to the mission update. Uh, we're still doing new reviews at Lorehaven, the best Christian made fantasy sci-fi and beyond that we can find every Friday. Then every Tuesday, we have the new podcast episodes, uh, new articles and news as they come out. And, and now more uh, more movie stuff uh, here and there. We still want to emphasize uh, Christian-made fantastical books. But because everybody is a fan of fantastical books, is probably also a fan of uh, fantastical on-screen stories. We're going to emphasize those here and there, a sort of a side quest at Lorehaven, just as we do in the Guild. Uh, by now, of course, all those changes I mentioned earlier uh, will have rolled out or will be rolling out. So visit lorehaven.com and uh, take advantage of the new menu. All our content's kind of been resorted to place the most important stuff up front uh, based on the needs that you and your family have. That's all at lorehaven.com. 
Uh, I think we have an older comment uh, over the comm station uh, you found uh, from just a, a few weeks ago. Did you not, Zach? We got a note from David W. Landrum who commented on Jenith Dick's article, The Chosen Succeeds Where Woke Stories Fail, saying this, quote, I love the scene after the wedding where Jesus turned water into wine. He and his disciples are going home and some of them are stumbling. Some of them had had a little too much to drink. Yep, some of them were drunk. But if the best wine the steward there had ever tasted had been served, that might well have been true. I love the realism, the recognition of his followers as human, and the authenticity of the production. These were real people. We've made them into allegorical characters and comic book figures. The Chosen has depicted them as human beings, end quote. <laughs> oh, man, we could get into so much trouble talking about this. That's a whole uh, episode topic right there. Yeah, wa- water into wine and whether it was just grape juice and, uh, boy, so many things there. But, um, you know, I just want to comment on one thing that David said here that I really appreciate about The Chosen in general, which is the humanness of the characters. And yes, even the humanity of Jesus. So many episodes show him hitting his limits as a human being, as the divine in human flesh, uh, where he gets tired, where he gets hungry, where he doesn't know everything in the moment. Uh, he has to find out information the old fashioned way. Um, you know, there's even one scene, Stephen, I forget which episode this was where they're playing some kind of uh, sports ball game and Jesus loses. He, he's not the best sports ball player. And I thought, boy, that was that was risky, wasn't it? Like to show him be not quite as coordinated or strong or, or quick or as adept as some of these other guys that he could have lost kickball game or whatever it was. That was hard. Like watching that, I just got to be honest, because I I would think to myself, well, surely Jesus would just win every game that he played. But then it's even funny to think, wait, Jesus played ball games and <laughs> sports games, like probably. I mean, that's how guys hang out and spend time together. And, uh, yeah. So, wow. It's really left me wondering of all the ways that Jesus embraced humanity. And I know that the show does that intentionally while at the same time, as we've, as we've discussed, it doesn't sacrifice Jesus divinity. There are ways, as you mentioned earlier, where even wholesome stories can challenge us. Uh, the chosen, I think is one of those illusion by Frank Peretti is one of those age appropriate for grown up readers. That's why we say uh, when we're talking about any kind of story, we want to give you the idea of who this is best for. We actually have a section at the end of every Lorehaven review that says best for. That's really helped us going back over the, those reviews and sorting them uh, for the best kinds of readers. Uh, going as granular as, is this best not only for teens and YA readers, but specifically for teen and YA female readers? Is this best for teenage girls who'd be most interested in this kind of story? Uh, is this the best kind of story for male readers? You know, uh, your definition of wholesome, uh, that is content that is going to edify you, that's going to feed your imagination rather than help distort it or bring out your idols. Uh, that definition changes uh, with the type of person you are uh, and the type of uh, developmental stage that you're in. That's one reason that we're really hoping to classify all that stuff. And that's one reason why uh, we endorse things like The Chosen or Christian-made fantastical novels uh, that are not just uh, good content, uh, you know, not just excellently written, not just true and, or good or beautiful, uh, but all of those same things at once, wherever we can find them. Next on Fantastical Truth, I am not sure. I will level with you, folks. Uh, we've got a lot of great topics coming up for this summer. Uh, the uh, Fantastical Summer Reading Challenge may play into our next topic. 
Maybe I'll talk a little bit about the conference after I actually got back from it, or maybe we will choose another topic entirely. Who knows? You may know. If you have an idea, email us at podcastlorehaven.com, tag us on the socials, etc. Meanwhile, though, you may be looking for great stories for your children's good, or you may be looking for great stories for your good. I hope if you're a parent that you're looking for great stories for all of your good. Uh, even reading together can be a great way to grow, to train our imaginations, uh, not just to look out for idols and identify them and subvert them, but also to look out for the amazing common grace gifts that our great God allows us to reflect, even in stories that are made by people who reject him but love his ideas. That's a helpful thing to keep in mind as we find more fantastical stories for our children's good and we keep seeking and finding his fantastical truth.